Hello, I'm Harry Stakini, and you are listening to the Staff Room Podcast, the show where each week I share anonymous stories from teachers who are overworked, underpaid, and close to a mental breakdown. So think of it as teacher therapy, as they remind us of all the troublemakers, class clowns, and the flat-out criminals we all remember from school. So join me and my guests and hear what your teachers really have to say. of the staff room podcast how's it going everyone hope you're all right i mean we're in double figures now this is uh we're in the big leagues when i first started doing this podcast i had, I had the number 25 in my mind i don't know why i just thought 25 that's what i aim for and now i'm at 10 it feels very real you know i think it could go all the way to 100 but 10 that feels like a, a milestone you know we've, we've hit we've hit double figures um it'd be great to get it into a triple figures in the future so help me out, guys, you know, uh, we're doing this together. So thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, I imagine we've got a few new listeners this week as well, because it's a bit of a different episode. It's a special edition episode because usually, right, the people that listen every week, you'll know that I tend to share an anonymous story from a teacher with a comedian guest. You know, we have a laugh about it and then we all go home happy, right? That's, you know, and then we revisit next Friday. But special edition episode today because I'm not going to be sharing an anonymous story as my guest is Alexander Price, who is the man behind the anonymous blog, The Provoked Pedagogue. And uh, in it, he wrote about his life working at a high school in North Wales. And he was actually sacked and struck off for two years after a panel found him guilty of professional misconduct after his anonymous blog came to light of the school. Now, the only reason I know about Alex is because a few weeks ago, someone sent me a BBC News article uh, with the title Kardashian Clones. And I've actually added it into the notes for this episode. So if you wanted to have a read of it to, uh, you know, see, understand what I'm talking about and maybe get some context, uh, that'd be great. But I can also, I'll give you an overview. So within this BBC article, Alex had made some jokes about the students regarding his issues around prom, what he doesn't like about it. And I've read the comments that he made and I found them very funny. But like any joke, context is key. And the more I read it, I just kept thinking there is way more to this than meets the eye because even Alex had said himself, he didn't deny writing the blog, but he said, if you read it in its entirety, the points that they've cherry picked from it have been presented in the total opposite way to which he intended it to be. So I thought it'd be really good to sit down with him and get his side of the story. So that's what this episode is about. And we covered loads within it. You know, we talk about his teaching days. He talks about the level of corruption that was going on within the school he worked in, the kind of backhand type management, some really like nefarious activities. And, you know, there's a few funny stories thrown in along the way from his teaching days. He talks about the lengths in which the school went to when investigating him. And I feel as if it provides way more colour to the picture that has just been presented within one or two news articles saying that this guy said this about some kids within a school that he worked in. Um, because, you know, I think it gives a very honest depiction of what school life can be for some teachers when working in an environment that is, um, I suppose, would make you feel very paranoid and, and anxious and I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine would be, you know, pleasant at all to work in. And another reason why I wanted to get Alex on the podcast was to share his side of the story because we live in a day and age where social media outrage and cancel culture are just rife. It's just like a given thing now. And it's very easy to see one version of events and just immediately point the finger and that person be cancelled, finished. And I think, 
it'd be difficult for anyone not to, after having listened to this episode, not to have seen the full picture and understand that what he was doing in comparison to what was happening at this school, in my opinion, you can't compare. But the idea that if you didn't know that, you would just have this interpretation of that he is a bad guy and that the schools are the heroes within this story. Um, I just think it's something that is definitely worth sharing and provides quite a, an insight and a, and a bit of an eye-opener for people that you know might, in the future, if they come across something, don't take it on face value and actually maybe ask the question or wonder about the circumstances that led to that or even you know like what the person's intentions were. So... You know, I was really pleased that Alex gave up his time to speak to me and I think it's made for a very good episode. So, you know, it's a long one today, but definitely worth hanging around for because I found it very interesting and I imagine you will too. I'll just point out that we did have a bit of a technical issue with the sound when recording this, but uh, I don't think it's too bad, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a pre-warning. But now that is all out the way, let's jump into this week's episode. This is me, Alexander Price and the Provoked Pedagogue. Enjoy. Because you said you've been writing it for two years. Um, so can you kind of like just give a bit of a timeline of, because when I first read the the news article, um, it was a it was a lady I worked with who sent it me at work going, you're, you're going to have it with your podcast, you. <laughs> and and I, I was, I read it. And as soon as I read it, I was like, I don't think you've done any wrong. But I thought it happened like two weeks ago, you know. So when you mentioned it, it being across 18 months, um, yeah, no, so it goes back even further than that. I mean, I've just, uh, I just gave a short article to the Guardian newspaper yesterday, a short interview to them yesterday. And the, the cut and thrust of, of, of that article is they're trying to sort of say that what, why a school is not able to deal with this, this kind of, any kind of disciplinary matter in any kind of reasonable timeline. So, I mean, this goes right the way back. So I started writing the the blog in 2016. Right, okay, uh, wow, yeah. Fair so, right. yeah, so, uh, and uh, it, it started off just as a bit of catharsis, really, because the, the school that I was working in was just a hellhole. It was just badly run. And it, for me, it's it never, the kids are not the issue. I'm a, you know, I've, I've Yeah, been, no, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I was a pretty naughty boy myself growing up, you know. <laughs> It's never, the kids have never been the issue. It's the other adults and they're just idiots. And, um, you know, and it was, I was constantly finding myself coming up against the glass ceiling, uh, constantly getting, um, you know, uh, just snide, sort of passive aggressive uh, yeah. remarks. And it's just not something that I've ever been faced with before, really. I'm, you know, I mean, I worked in construction before that. And it's very much, you know... Quite up front, so, I imagine. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, and if, if you don't like something, then you deal with it there and then. And yeah. It, it was just a really, really weird environment. And it was yeah. really, really, really bizarre. And I, I, I think in some ways, I didn't really know how to, how to react. Because um, obviously I was aware and I couldn't deal with it like I would normally deal with it on a construction so, so yeah, well, so when you first started the blog, were you did you tell anyone about it with that you were working with? Yeah, no, it was super secret, really. Um, and I just sort of I'd come home and I'd basically write once a week, and it was kind of like just just healing to my soul, really, because I was I was getting to the point where I was ready to punch someone, you know. It, <laughs> so you, punch, you punch a keyboard, not a colleague, you know. So I punched <laughs> a keyboard instead of a colleague, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so it just kind of went, went from there really. And then 
and then you know as I sort of as I sort of started to publish it and the, the Twitter following started to gain a bit of traction and then the blog posts were getting you know and it, it's high I mean it wasn't massive but it was getting 1600 readers that's um, decent though you know, which is fairly reasonable. It's quite a niche sort of thing. And then... Um, but then, sorry to put like your audience that you were, you know, that were reading it, were they enjoying it? I, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm aware, I mean, people in edgy Twitter are pretty outspoken and if they don't like something, they'll, they'll probably tell you straight away. And the, the kind of stuff I was getting, the responses I was getting was, oh, do you work in my school? You know, I recognise this, this, you've said this, and I recognise, not specifically the exact thing, but just the, you know, some of the scenarios and some of the, the situations, the responses to things. It, it, it wasn't a shock, and, and to me it was quite shocking, some of the stuff I was putting down, particularly on the... Um, Particularly on the liars and the, and the backstabbers blog, which was right. You know, so the idea that what you were writing about people were able to relate to because they had that within the schools they were working in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. So so um, and I mean, obviously, some of the posts there was about thirty posts in total. Uh, some of them were quite boring and just edgy, edgy waffle, you know, and the uh, the, the current thing that was the, that was flavour of the week on Twitter in the edgy Twitter world. I blog about that kind of stuff, but always try and do it from a slightly different uh, different angle. I mean, I'm not you know I'm not a writer. Uh, I'm a designer. That's I've always been a designer and a, a and a maker, and so it was really my first sort of attempt at writing. You know, um, but but some of it quite good. I, well, I I think even when I saw the news article. Uh, and like I said on episode seven with Callum, I was like, you've, got, you've just got a sense of humour, you know what I mean? And you're, you're making jokes, making light of the situation, um, you know, in the place that you're working in. Um, and then when I read the blog in its entirety, um, you can see it's exactly that, like what they've taken has come completely out of context. Um, so the, the bit that I saw that I thought has been, where you said it's been taken out of context, was when you uh, mentioned within the blog that it would be demeaning uh, for some and devastating for others because, like, of how much anxiety is around prom for teenagers. Um, and like, I think something like that, everyone can relate to because they know it to be true, but you don't want to admit it. So when it's kind of held up to your face, everyone feels a little bit uncomfortable about it. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, a lot, a lot of the stuff that I'm drawing from, I mean, I've, got, I've got five kids of my own. Um, I've got three three adult daughters who've all been through the uh, through that uh, the the school system, um, and I I would always talk to them about stuff as well, you know. And a lot of some of the stuff that's coming back is, I mean, they're not mingers. Like, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, it's kind of like all these teenage girls are feeling this disproportionate pressure, um, and it's you. Know, it's it's quite weird. It's quite hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but I think it's coming at them from all angles now. Maybe a bit more than it was when I was a, a youngster in the nineties. You know, um, it's coming out every time they pick up a device. They're bombarded with you need to look like this. You need to uh, yeah, definitely in this way. And you know, it's like the the pressure is ramping up really, and and it, it's kind of. That's what I'm, I was trying to get across in, in, in the blog post, was that, um, you know, it, it, I don't think schools should be supporting that, you know. Yeah, that, no, no, that, I get what you mean. That was the point, really. And then, 
It's like you say, you know, when you're talking about doing a, um, a joke with a punchline, you know, I mean, if you read the blog in its entirety, it's set up in a way to kind of stimulate you to think about these things. And if you just write, you know, the girls don't look nice, nobody's going to be interested in that, are they? You know, that, that's the reality. It, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Payment as well, isn't it? But yeah, no, I, th- I think um, exactly what you're saying there, like the, the pressure that it puts people under and the idea that people should aspire to look like certain, look a certain way um, does put a lot of pressure on people. Um, but yeah, that's why with what the news article was saying, I just thought this it, it's just been paraphrased, isn't it? But like since that came out, what's been like the fallout of that news article since? Um, it's pretty weird because I have to admit, obviously, you, you know, the, the worst thoughts go through your head and you think, oh, God, am I going to be walking into the supermarket and, uh, and some bad is going to come up and give me a slap or something? Do you know what I mean? So you <laughs> yeah. kind of think, you're thinking about that, that that sort of side of it, but the vast, vast majority of feedback I've had has been, you know, maybe it's a little bit edgy, but I agree with you. And people have just generally agreed with it you know being mm. a bit nerdy when the first article came out i actually catalogued all the likes and upvotes on the daily whale daily mail website right. uh, and uh, just created a few little graphs and stuff <laughs> uh, and it, uh, it so was, when you get uh, a troll you can just hit them with a, like a bar graph uh, like, so there I you go. Thought, you know what I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need if if the shit starts hitting the fan. I'm gonna need some uh, some facts and figures to back myself up. <laughs> um, so I yes, here, here we go. So yeah, I've got it here. So on the uh, eight a.m. on the twenty seventh of the first, which is when the first um, when the first story hit the mail, ninety seven percent of the comments and upvotes were in favour of me. And three percent were in favour of the EWC. That's what I mean. Because I think people read between the lines of it and go, "It's a guy making a joke, right?" I, yeah, and I agree with it because you've not you've not mentioned any names and you've not been uh, you've not identified the school or anything like that. Um, wow, yeah, ninety eight point two. So I just, um, so I, I just throughout the day because obviously I was sat at home a little bit twiddling my thumbs because. Basically, the story broke while I was still sat in the Zoom meeting with, uh, with the EWC. Um, and so there was sort of a dozen people in there all sort of frowning, and I was sat here in the kitchen just laughing at them. And, um, uh, and uh, so I was just like, obviously, when the story broke, I thought, oh, you know, but yeah, but. 98%, 97%, that's the sort of thing. So, we, you know, even on the even on the negative comments, people were downvoting the negative comments and upvoting the positive comments. So, I mean, I know it's the Daily Mail, which is like damn and central, isn't it? You know what I yeah. mean? But, but, but naturally, people are going to have an opinion on it. And, you know, like people yeah. listening to my podcast might turn around and go, I don't agree with, with what, what he said. But the, in the context of how it was used, from uh, the fact I've now read the blog, it doesn't come across in any way uh, disparaging towards the kid isn't the punchline. You know what I mean? It's 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 about yeah. the whole setup around prom and the you know the environment that it creates um, 
and you know like and the fact that yeah sometimes kids priorities can be in a different place and uh, you know if you're putting more emphasis into your prom than your your studies and your gcses and stuff like that you know it's not the best environment to uh to promote and encourage because like the bit that i relate to uh the most is when you said about um Sang on the 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 entire premise is flawed as it's just another example of how we constantly reward kids for just about meeting the absolute minimum, um, and like that 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 for me I've seen it in schools I've worked in where they will give out I don't know whether it be a point or uh, whatever you know just some sort of reward for like a kid putting the chair under the table or. And I understand in certain situations that might be useful to kind of develop someone, but like they're just like basic things, basic manners, you know. <laughs> um, but so I that mean, idea, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally, totally with you on that. I and mean, what do they call it? They call it something, don't they? Where it's uh, um, like a false currency or a token currency type system, right? Yeah. The, the schools come up with these um, crazy systems that are just absolutely unworkable. Mm. But basically, a kid's just got to dribble on the right piece of paper and yeah, yeah. smear it in the correct way, and, and they're going to get a mark for it, you know? It's yeah, just, but I've, I've had not... it before where people have said, um, if I do my work, will I get something? And it's like, no, because you, you've got to do your work. <laughs> it's it's It might be different for that person, you know, a different rule for you, but for them, like... Yeah, their their needs are different to yours, but that yeah. like bare minimum. Um, yeah, I just. It's, I think it's I think it's harmful as well because I, th I th you know at the end of the day there's there's nothing wrong right with approaching a young person and saying listen pal you need to pull your socks off yeah yeah you know you know you're making zero effort and and it becomes such a point but. I think as well, sometimes these kids are so downtrodden and so broken by how poorly they've been treated yeah, yeah. throughout that they've just got nothing left to give. And they just all they want to do is, is sit there and, and be left alone and go home uh, in the evening and, uh, uh, you know, and play on the Xbox because they just they don't feel like there's anything left for them. Because the, yeah. the, amount, the amount of hoops they've been tried to be pushed through by all these different you know, levels of this and, and, and stats for that. And it's just it's just not suitable. And, and people don't seem to recognise that. But what you say there about, like, the environment that they grow up in, because you can't... You get a kid for six hours a day in a school, right, and you can't control what happens at home. And especially with the type of stuff that I've done, I've worked mainly with, with uh, kids who have had quite troubled home lives. So, you know, I appreciate the fact that there has to be certain exceptions made when they're in school and you have to be understanding and, you know, um, kind of give them the benefit of the doubt at the times. Um, but even though they're in that situation, you know, like you, you want to, while you've got them, give them the best possible chance that you can. So, you know, if they're falling short of the mark in school, you still got to pull them up on it. You know, you might do it in a different way, but the idea of just letting everyone, everything slide, um, yeah, it's not not the best way to go about it. No, I think the, the, the key to it is consistency, right? So it doesn't really matter what what the rules are, you know, as long as they're enforced consistently, you know, and as yeah. long as it's enforced fairly and, and and consistently, you know. But the place I was working on, they they couldn't even enforce uh, getting kids to take the coats off in the corridor. It just that, that was, really, it was unenforceable. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, I used to I used to get sometimes I'd wake myself up a little bit about it because I would think you know well look listen if that's the rule that's what they should be doing it's not it's not an unreasonable expectation uh, to take your coat off you know yeah. it, it was just it was unachievable because the, the levels of consistency across the across the management team and, and across the staff was, was just pathetic. No. So um, how how long were you at that school for? I was there. Uh, so how long did I was there? Let me think now. I was probably there for about five years in total, you know. Right, and that, that was as a design technology teacher. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, over the time that I was there, they kind of like, uh, you know, because I, I pretty soon uh, stuck my head over the parapet. I'm not really a yes man, you know, and I'm, so I just tell them, I just tell them how it was and. Uh, so very very quickly, um, I made myself pretty unpopular there, um, and then they started to mess around with me then. So, um, on, sorry, when you say unpopular, do you mean with the staff or with the kids? Yeah, with the staff. Right. Well, not with the staff, but with the management, because I was just, I was just telling them what to tell them how it is. I mean, the I, I'm a member of the uh, NASUWT union, um, and their uh, their industrial action, it's called the action short of strike action, and it's really quite powerful. It's a very, very strong piece of industrial action, but it's being it's not being used by okay. by teachers in the school settings. So but the thing really I think the catalyst for it was there's a, a section on that and it says um members are instructed not to engage in any new management initiative that hasn't been workload impact assessed. Okay, so effectively, what what it's saying is the managers sit around in their stupid management meetings twice a week where they're trying to justify their fat SLT TLR salaries, and they come up with these stupid new um, uh, initiatives which they think is going to transform the school, which is just absolutely piles of bollocks and, <laughs> and then what they'll do then is they'll then feed them down to the, the curriculum heads and they'll say right you know you're gonna have to do this and so and often it'd be something stupid like uh what the, the one i really stuck in me crawl was they they said you're gonna have to complete a home learning record they called it a home learning record okay so my duties as a teacher, I'm fully aware of what my professional responsibilities are, and I set homework as and when I see fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, for my classes, well, what they said was, here you go, here's a piece of paper, and every time you set some homework, you to write on this piece of paper what homework you set and who to do, and then we'll collect these pieces of paper in and we'll put them on file. And I was like, I'm not doing it, not a chance, like. I've got no way. And they were like, why? And I was like, because, well, why do you want it? What? Why are you doing that? Why, you know, well, we just think it's a good way to check homework. I said, no, you don't. I said, it's a good way to check up on teachers and infantilize the staff that you've got working for you. And I'm not doing it. End off. And they said, well, you have to do it. I said, no, I don't have to do it at all. I said, and then I would repeat the action short strike action. Yeah. Which said, Okay, I said, all right, I will engage with it, providing you workload impact assess it. Well, they don't even know what workload impact assess means. They're just idiots. <laughs> you know, so it, that, that's just a perfect example of, 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 
you know. And so then I then mark myself out as an enemy of promise then, aren't I? I'm, I'm refusing to do this, which makes their life more difficult. Well, I don't care about their lives being difficult. I care about whether or not kids' lives are difficult. And it, it, yeah. it, it, this was the kind of thing that would happen. But that, that piece of industrial action is, is absolutely amazing because the, the reality is in school, there is no time. Right? There is no more time. Yeah, everyone's maxed out. Okay, you know, you, there's no time to mark. There's no time to plan lessons. You get 10% PPA time, which is used up with other stuff. You know, it, it, there is no more time. So if they want me to do something new, they're gonna have to make take something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and that's, what, that's what a workload impact assessment is about. They're gonna say right, you know, and they just never want to take anything out. Because like the there's a mate of mine who's just training to be a teacher uh, now. And, um, you know, he's, uh, he's quite hopeful, you know, he's, he's, he's enjoying it and all that. Um, and the amount of teachers that I've, the schools that I've worked in, because I'm not like, I've, I've not done a PGCA. My dad was like, do you think about it? I was like, no, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And then did three months at uni. Uh, and <laughs> I found a flight that went around the world, right? And I rang my dad on a train platform. I said, I found this flight. And he politely told me, you're not going, <laughs> you're staying at uni. <laughs> so uh, I finished my degree, but um, I didn't want to be a teacher at the end of it. And since then, when I've worked in schools, the amount of teachers that I've seen that, uh, as you say, they're like just going, there's just too much work or there's too much pressure. There's too much this. And the amount of people that leave the profession, like I think from a, you know, like a parent point of view, unless people are very understanding, or just like general public, I think people think you leave at three o'clock or four o'clock, and it's like that's just not the case. No, it isn't the case at all. I mean, it's you, you know, I mean, the, the, the teacher attrition. I mean, I'm not across it as as much as I was. I mean, obviously, when I was embroiled in the in the scenario, I was quite across all the figures and the numbers, and I could quote to you what the teacher attrition rate was. But I mean, the the, the amount of people that leave teaching within the, the first five years is still exceptionally high, um, and it and it's because it's filled with dickhead managers. <laughs> well, I, yeah. you know, and and you know, the second you get into a school, you're going to come across these people, and they're absolute melts. I know I, I agree because like having worked in quite a few schools, like I would rather take awful kids over awful staff every time because every time. like I've had it where I was walking down a corridor one time and I got told literally in passing by like person C on the chain of command that I was working with someone new today. And I'd, I'd never even heard of this person's name, but I was like, you're working with this person. Um, when I then said that name to another member of staff, they were like, you're working with that person? I went, yeah, yeah. And they were like, they've usually got like someone they work with all the time. Like, why, why are you with them? I was like, I, I don't know. So I went out and did the afternoon with this person. And then uh, I was told at the end of that, um, right, you'll um, you'll be with him uh, on Monday. That'll just be it now for, for good. Um, so then yeah. I uh, do Monday and uh, we have, a, a, well, there's a meeting at the end of that Monday. I'm then told, uh, by the way, don't mention this, don't mention this, don't mention this, um, about, you know, like trigger words for, for said person. Um, and uh, they'd filled in loads of stuff where if I'd said on Friday, like, oh, you're doing this in the weekend, you're doing that, you're doing this, I could have, like, you know, caused, like, World War Three. And I just yeah. thought, you know, you're asking me to do a, do a job with someone where you're not giving me the full picture. And um, I, I, did, I didn't do very long at the school, but... Uh, it was one of them where I thought, like this, 
this is, just doesn't feel right. Like I was taking lads that, uh, you know, caused like serious issues in the school to go and see the member of staff that they had to go and see. And they were looking at me like, what are you doing here with him? Like, he's your responsibility. I was like, he's, he's literally just done this. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where it's got to stop somewhere and you're, you're my boss, but people looking at me like, nah, go and let a pick or something like that. Go and go and calm down outside. It's like, all right. Okay. So I'm babysitting essentially. That's, that's what it is. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it wasn't for me in that sense, but I suppose then what, what drew you into teaching? Cause you mentioned you got into it in your thirties. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I've always, you know, I've never, never been without a job. You know, I've always been a, a, a grafter ever since I was 13, 14. Um, and I'd always sort of, I'd always sort of thought, you know, I'd, I'd like to go to uni and do something. Um, because when I was uh, as 17, 18, I should have been thinking about uni. I wasn't thinking about uni at all. I was thinking about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about smoking as much weed as I possibly could right. and, and, and tapping off with as many girls that I could possibly, you know, just being a normal human being at, at, at that age, you know, and I just didn't, it did, you know, I didn't really have a, a very, very strict um, uh, home life. I could pretty much do what I wanted and, and, and so I did. Um, and then when I should have been going to university, um, was when I was expecting my first kid, and oh, wow. so I had, I had three kids before I was twenty-one. Bloody hell, you like me, Dad? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think we finally figured out how to stop it, but um, <laughs> yeah. so um, uh, yeah, so uh, and then it was kind of like obviously it's a massively different set of presses, and I had to escape yeah. uh, up, you know, and get a decent job. Um, and uh, so, so that's effectively what I did. And then back in those times, so we've got we've got back to probably mid nineties now, ninety five. Um, it was pretty easy to get on the property market, um, nothing right. like what it is now. Um, and so I, you know, by the time I was twenty five, I had a mortgage and three kids. You know, and that's wow. not a situation where you can go to uh, where you can go to university. Um, so then. Um, the, uh, the love of my life, who I thought was the love of my life, started uh, banging about behind my back. So that was the end of that one. Um, right, okay. and, uh, and then I, I ended up working around the country a bit and being a weekend dad. Um, and uh, I sort of hit 30 and I just thought it's probably time to you know, maybe knuckle down. So I, I had a word with my old man and I said, look, listen, I, you know, I really, I really want to do something. Um, I don't know what yet. And he said, well, why don't you go to uni? And I said, well, I can't. He kindly offered to pay me rent for three years. Uh, days. And so that's what I did. But I mean, he paid my rent and then I had to, uh, I went, went to uni in uh, probably 2008, I think. Um, and uh, worked full time whilst I was in uni. Um, and uh, I did a the course I did was um, designing technology with qualified teacher status. So you do your PGCE alongside your, your, oh, your yeah. degree. That, that must have been intense. Right. Um, you know what? People say that, but it's weird because I was the mind space I was in, I was in my 30s. I wasn't going to uni to enjoy the lifestyle. I was going there yeah. 
to get a piece of paper. And so I would turn up to my uh, lectures or whatever, what tutorial where as soon as I had that assignment, I wouldn't leave uni until I'd completed the assignment and handed it in. And uh, and then I'd go home and then I'd go to work. You know, so yeah, that's very different course, to my uni days. Yeah, it's very different to a lot of people's uni yeah, days. Yeah. Uh, but I was really into it, weirdly, you know. And then I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd come home. Um, I was working in my mate's tattoo shop at, at the time, so I'd go to go work in the tattoo shop, and then I'd go to uni, um, and then we'd just sit, sit in the evenings and drink and eat. You know, that that was pretty much my life for three years, and then. On the weekends and have my kids and then went so instead of doing obviously pgce you do three teaching practices almost back to back but it, when you do a qts you do one every year right so and it's a, a three-month period and so that that part of the course was the only part that, that was that was intense really um the first teaching practice you do a 25 percent timetable 50 percent 75 percent which is but then when you were when you were training, did you always think I'll go secondary school? hundred uh, percent, yeah. Yeah, oh, crikey, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, my kids at that stage, they were all six, seven, eight, nine, and us. There's no way I was dealing with, <laughs> with, with pre high yeah. school. The weekends are enough. I don't want this Monday to Friday. Uh, as, much as, as much as I love kids, like I'm not there to be wiping noses and. Yeah, I get what you uh, mean. Checking toilet training and that kind of stuff, <laughs> stuff for the, the primary colleagues, and that's not to say in any way, shape, or form that I think that secondary is easier or primary. No, it's just preference, isn't it? That's all. Because like, there's I've I've known some teachers that work in reception that look at you know year four as if to be like, oh my god, I could never do that. But then year four look at year eleven and they're like, I could never do that. And it's it's just different. But I've worked across both and. Um, you know, albeit in specialist environments, I worked in like a few proofs and stuff like that uh, yeah. for secondary school kids. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's depends. I think I think it depends what type of person you are, and what your style is. You know, because if, if you're all, if you think it's maybe going to be, if you want more control, I would say probably go into primary than than secondary because yeah. you know, um, you you're dealing with people that have got a little bit more about them, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, if I wouldn't have got sacked. Um, I'd actually made an application to go and work in a uh, in a, a school for uh, kids with, with severe learning difficulties. Um, so I've always not necessarily kind of like, but I always thought whilst I was teaching that, you know, I mean, some of these kids here, they're in year eleven, and whether whether they could or they couldn't. They couldn't write their own name, some of them, and whether or not that was because they couldn't actually write or because they were just absolutely yeah. done with the whole scenario, you know. So I just thought, um, and I had um, quite a few kids with quite severe needs uh, that, that I had some really Is this good within results. the mainstream school you were in? Yeah, within like... the mainstream setting, which, which had some really good results with um, and uh, just built some, some strong relationships. So... Um, at the time, just prior actually to them coming in and suspending me, I'd actually already put in my application to go and move to a, really? uh, uh, yeah, to, to a, a, a school for kids with special needs. And I, I wanted to go towards sort of more practical, teaching them more practical skills. Yeah, because you know? I, I enjoyed uh, DT in school and uh, the teacher I had, I always got on with really well. But when were you working with all year groups or were you having people that had like picked that, 
because the curriculum's different in Wales, isn't it? Like, do you still yeah. pick your options for your GCSEs and stuff? Yeah, so they, they pick their options. You know, at, at Key Stage 3, you do. And I've, I, in DT, so I'm, I'm, I was trained to be uh, a cook, cookery. I can do cookery teaching. Uh, I can do uh, textiles. I can teach uh, product design, uh, woodwork. Um, so it's, it's quite a wide skill set, really. And then we, we do the kids on rotation. And um, so uh, depending on how the timetable was worked out, I could be teaching anything from, um, you know, from making uh, making spaghetti bolognese to, um, to designing Formula One cars. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, real range there. It's <laughs> um, pretty good in that respect. So that, you know, that at Key Stage 3, and then at, at Key Stage 4, obviously they select their options. Um, and then... So what tends to happen in DT and whether or not schools admit it or not, they probably should because it's happened in most every school that I've worked in. They get all the knuckleheads or the kids they believe are the knuckleheads and they yeah. put them all in, into DT. So, and this was always a particular uh, bit of a bugbear for me because I've been thinking, right, so you're looking at that kid and you, you, you're telling me, his behaviour is bad. Yeah, so you're and, giving him a screwdriver. Yeah, and you're <laughs> going to put him in a room where he can cut not only his own finger, but somebody else's finger off. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, give me the rationale, yeah. you know. He's, um, he's, he's got a behaviour problem, yeah, but he might love spag ball, so we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I remember one time, I just go in, you turn your back, and I've, I've turned round, and there's one kid, and he's got a can of deodorant in a vice. And he squeezed it till it's, <laughs> till it's pop, you know, almost ready to pop. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's smacking the end of the chisel. And I'm what? like, what are you doing, mate? You yeah. know, I was like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? And he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I said, you know, what on earth are you, what, what are you playing at? Like, yeah. it's just. I'll tell you what, let's have a look. Turn, turn the lights off, get your matches out. We'll stand close to it. We'll have a look. <laughs> I mean, I used to teach. Uh, so one of the one of the other things I used to teach, one of the units I did was a, a metalwork unit. Yeah, right. And yep. we we do uh, pewter casting. So I had a, a fully uh, a fully functioning foundry in in the corner of the classroom. Right. Uh, okay. You know, so we could uh, with an oxyacetylene salt, and uh, we'd, we'd I'd teach them how to make um, a, a mold on a laser cutter, and then they'd uh, they'd melt some pewter. Um, and they'd pull it in and and, and we'd do basic casting, yeah? Um, but, right. you know, it, it's cool, really cool stuff, and that's the kind of stuff that I kind of wanted to do and why I kind of got into teaching in, yeah. in the first place, to, to kind of get kids to do that. But the hoops that they make it, make you jump through and the, and the fact that the kids were so poorly behaved that you just can't run that kind of activity in a safe manner. Yeah, because um, I, yeah. I what what was your relation like to to the kids? Because from what I read within the blog and stuff, like I don't know, it came across to me like you could have a laugh with them, but then yeah. you know, or did you have to be like really strict with it? Um, I'd I'd go with uh, I'd go with warm strict, um, right, okay, because obviously there's there's safety concerns, and if if the kids are not, they need to know one hundred percent that that they can't mess about and if it's said it needs to be that way but at the same time I would you know I was in it for the laugh I'm not a miserable person 
There's no yeah. way I'm standing in front of a group of kids all day and and not having a bit of a crack with them. You know, it's it's just the way it is. Got myself into a bit of a, a sticky situation in the in the first school I worked in. Um, right. So there was uh, there was a kid there, and um, uh, this is this is a naughty kid. You know, this this is a kid, and it, it trans by turns out the reason that he was naughty and able to get away with it. Because every time he complained to his dad at home, his dad was a, a local meter, and he'd come in the school and start, you know, effing, effing, and, and and swinging at the headmaster. And he'd done it all. This this is this kid. He'd done it through primary school. He'd done it in secondary school. And so this kid was just a, an absolute wild card. He was just a lunatic. So he's so he kick um, off, and then his dad would come in yeah, as the muscle. And then his dad would come in and kick off. You know. <laughs> oh my and it, God. It was, just regular as clockwork, and uh, but he, this kid, unfortunately, he had massive ears. Right. Like, <laughs> massive. No, you ever seen the Bass Street kids? You know, plug out the Bass Street kids. Uh, no, but you uh... just, you just if you think about the FA Cup, it makes the FA right, Cup. Right. Okay. Cup. Yeah, I just had Champions <laughs> League in my head. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, this kid. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've never taught the kid before. Um, massively sensitive about his ears, hugely sensitive, you know, and it, basically it's a trigger for him. The second anybody mentions ears, he goes off, chairs start flying, dad comes in, threatens to punch the headmaster. It's just, and it's just, nobody's in, nobody's prepared to intervene in this situation. Well, surely, just, surely if his dad was know, coming in, did, did, they, yeah. did the school not say, you just like, we'll get the police or... I don't know. They never really kind of got into it in that sort of depth. But if that, what, ended up, what ended up happening was, um, so this kid, obviously running around school, just being a complete knob to everyone. <laughs> and he's, he's been, he's been, he ended up being a knob to this girl who's a couple of years above him. Right. And she battered him, like <laughs> clapped him all around, you know. Right. Run him up and down the corridors, you know, give him a proper drubbing, you know, which, and there was the staff in the staff room were sort of like, yeah, God, he's a little shit. And I thought, you know, that didn't say comfortable with me either. I was like, you can't say that. It's yeah. not right. But you, you know the kind of stuff that happens. It's, this is the reality, isn't it? That people pretend don't happen. Anyway, cut a long story short, I'm in this classroom. And uh, I've heard this rumour that this kid has had a clacking off these girls. And I've sort of just asked these two girls innocently. I've said, oh, what happened? You know, what, what happened at break time? And they said this kid's name. And then they said, oh, he got beaten up. And I said, oh, wh which one is he? I said, is he the one with the big ears? Right? <laughs> and completely honest, right? I didn't... You know, just didn't think for a second that it was going to be an issue because it, it's yeah. the first thing you notice about him. Anyway, that he's about three weeks go by, three weeks go by, <laughs> and these two girls I spoke to are in this class with this lad, and um, and uh, he stood up in the middle of the lesson, right, and he's just shouted at me, did you say I've got big ears? Right, and I was just like, <laughs> I was just completely shell-shocked. I was like, no, but you have got big ears. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the chairs went, the tables went, he was screaming, effing and jeffing, he ran out of class. I'm still on my NKT year at this point. Right. And uh, I just like, I was like, ooh, that, that escalated <laughs> quickly. Uh, but I had no clue, you know. Yeah. I had no clue. I mean, there was no documents, uh, there was no document around saying, listen, whatever you do, don't mention it. Don't mention it. <laughs> yeah, because, it, you know, and I mean, I like the... the I think where I, where I come from. Yeah, you've got uh, to embrace that. And I mean, like, oh, if you own it, then it won't, you know, people won't say exactly, it for effect. But, exactly. you know. And, and you know, in my, in my my thinking in this is I'm stood there thinking, well, somebody needs to tell him and sit him down and, 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 and give him the skills to be able to deal with it. So yeah. Because he's going to have that his whole life. He's going to go to a pub. Yeah. Now, in these days, might even be listening to this fucking podcast. That's punching his phone. He might be looking for me, ready to punch me. And uh, anyway, I'd, I'd buy him a beer if I seen him. You know, that'd be that. But this, he's going to go up to, in my head. I think he's going to go up. Somebody's going to go up to him and, and call him something, and he's going to end up getting himself into strife. And somebody needs to be dealing with that. And that, yeah, that was where I was coming. I wasn't coming at it mean, you know, going, "Oh, look at you, big ears." Yeah, exactly, because it's all about intent. Yeah, it, it was nothing to do with that. So, so was there so any back, was there any backlash off his dad? Yeah, so that situation then developed, right? So uh, the school I was in at the time. Um, the headmaster is a bit of a notorious bully, um, okay. quite often. Quite often they are. I wasn't massively aware. Of People it. that get bullied tend to be bullies, don't it? You know what I mean? His dad's coming in pushing him about. He's well, that yeah. so, so, so I, I haven't been in that school very long, but a lot of you know after the incident and sort of you know once you start getting into that whole scenario, a lot of the staff were telling me how he was a bit of a bully. Anyway, I got called up to his office to go up, up to this guy's office, and I, again, I'm on the NQT here, so I've got to be on my best behaviour. And he's just said, um, I've gone into the room, and he sat behind his desk, and he's gone there. Uh, did you call? Uh, did you call Kid A Big Ears? I went, <laughs> No, I didn't call him Big Ears at all. I said he stood up in my lesson, and he said. Did you call me big ears? And I said, no, but you have got big ears. And the head was like, put his head in his hands and his head was shaking like this. And he was, and the colour drained out of his face. And I was like, what's the problem? I said, he has got big ears. Stop goes, saying it. Stop saying it. He goes, you can't talk about his ears. And I went, well, it's, it's done now. I said, what do you want me to do? And he goes, you're going to have to apologise. And I was like, well, apologize for what? Like, and he was Stating like, well, you're going to have to apologize for saying he had big ears. And I went, I'm not doing that. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> said, you know, I said, he has got big ears. It's what do you want me to apologize for? She said, well, look, listen, he said, look, listen, he said, if you don't, apologize, his dad's going to come in here and he's going to be effing and jacking. And so I, eventually, I got this kid there and I, and I said to him, I said, look, listen, I said, I, you know, I'm in this scenario, I, I, I appear to have upset you. I've upset you and I've hurt your feelings. And I said, and for that, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't want to upset you and I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Up until that point, I had no idea that you were sensitive about your ears. Yeah. And so now I know and I will make sure that I will not do that again in the future. <laughs> and he went, 
looked me dead in the eye and he went, yeah, but you shouldn't have said it, should you? That's big. I, was oh, what a... like, I was just like, do you know what? I said, well, I'll tell you what then, pal. I said, that's yeah, I've got fucking big ears. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. But you know what I mean. But the reality is, you know, I'm then. You know, this is this has been happening to this kid now, right? He's in year. You know, he's in year nine. This has been happening to him for ten years. Ten years, right? This scenario. You saying ten years or ten years? <laughs> ten years. Ten, 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 ten or in the very Welsh way. Ten years. Ten years. <laughs> But 10 years and nobody's picked that up and sat him down and said, listen, you've got big ears. You're going to have to deal with it your whole life. If you don't sort yourself out now, it's going to get you in trouble. And yeah, this this was the kind of thing that... that, Can you imagine that if he ended up in prison, like decking someone and he's he's like, what are you in for? And he went, someone said I had big ears. (laughs) They go, yeah, 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 but you do. (laughs) (laughs) there's another 20 years on your sentence (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, there's another funny thing that happened in that school actually so um is it sorry uh, is this the same school that the way right different school okay yeah yeah so um so when i was at that school i was on a 0.2 percent teaching contract right how's that work 0.8% 0.8% cover supervisor. So basically, I was an in-house supply teacher, right? Okay. And they kind of dangled the 0.2 as a little carrot to make me sort of super grateful for getting the job kind of thing. So um, so anyway, I basically I'd be teaching anything to anybody at any moment without really having a clue what was going on. So yeah. it, was, it, it was a bit of a baptism of fire, really. Um, and you know, at that time as well, I was I was pretty ideological, and I was in it to raise the standards, and you know, making all the right noises, and yeah. te- teachers are superheroes, and all that sort of bollocks, you know. Um, <laughs> and I was tasked to teach in a in an art class, and so I don't know if you've ever had this, but so the kids, and funnily enough, the kids were in rows. And so I was walking up and down the rows, looking at what the kids are doing. Ah, oh, that's great. You've done a lovely job there. That's a nice picture there, nice one. And then uh, go sort of go around. I'm on the very, very back row. I've just coughed, just a little cough, you know, just like, <coughs> like that. Um, but as I've done it, a cornflake-sized bogey flew out the back of my throat <laughs> and, and stuck on this kid's shoulder. And I was like... Oh, and, and anyway, I thought he must have felt it because I reckon it must have weighed about half a kilo. <laughs> He's pinched to the desk. Yeah, it was an absolute monster. But uh, anyway, he didn't notice. And I was like, oh, brilliant. So I just I just carried on, you know, regardless. I was like, I don't know what, what else I could have done, you know. So anyway, I'm back up to the front and I'm sort of doing a little demo on the board and whatnot. Anyway, this is erupted at the back of the class. This kid has just stood up and smacked the other kid right next to him, right in the face. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's gone. He's bats on me. He's bats on me. There's a massive bogey on me. Look. I was like, no, 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 no. It's all right. Yeah, come on. Let's get you over here. Get a paper towel. Come on. We'll, we'll take that off. No problem, mate. No problem. This kid's going, I never, I never, I never. I was like, oh, you know what? It's just one of them things. Like, let's. 
if if that kid's listening to this podcast, I, I definitely buy him a pint as well. That's, uh, <laughs> to be fair, though, in that situation, yeah, I think you. I don't know. You, it, whether you go, sorry, mate, I've just ghosted on your back there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. Or, yeah. Or, or do when you, you finish, just stick up? your work to it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or do you just sneak off up to the front and get a paper towel and then try and sort of wipe his back without him knowing kind of thing? That could be. <laughs> oh, there's another one. Huh? That could be even worse. And he'd be like, get off me, you pedo. What, what are you rubbing my shoulder for? Get off you know, that's 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 uh, that's a thing though. Um, uh, like allegations made against staff. Like even when I had a kid once, just as a joke, make a joke saying, um, "Yeah, I was because like my jobs, I was working one to one, and this lad I was working with was hanging around with another lad, and he just went, oh, he follows you around, doesn't he? Like a pedo, and like but as a joke, and I just went, I know you're joking. I went, but." You could get me sacked by saying that, yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. one of them where he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was only joking." I'm like, "I, I realise that, you know what I mean?" But just let's not yeah. say that again. All right. So, I mean, but just bringing it back to a little, a little bit more serious for a second. One of the blogs I wrote was called uh, was called um, "Normal Shifts," okay, and it, and it was about how um, if you're not very, very careful in a school. what's normal and acceptable shifts into something that's absolutely not normal and is completely unacceptable and uh what what, there was a a particular sort of uh period where the boys were using the word nonce as just normal language and i was like lads that's not normal language you can't use that word and they'd be saying to me Things like, what, why? Why are you being weird, sir? What's the matter with you? Everyone says it. And I'd be like, no, lads. Yeah, they don't. doesn't say it. And they're like, yeah, but such and such teacher lets us say it. This teacher lets us say it. I say, yeah, but they really shouldn't. That's what you, you know? said about the inconsistencies, aren't you? Exactly. But when it's something as serious as the word nonce, right, which can be career-changing, mm. you know, if, if somebody gets the wrong end of the stick on that, and it, it it can explode, and you know you'll never you'll never shift that. Because you know, you'll never shift. Yeah, that. no, exactly. Because like even when people have been wrongly accused, like the label that you know is carried with it, there's always a, a few people that go, yeah, but like you got away with that, or they got away with that, and you think exactly, that's yeah. you know you you are you are doing serious damage to people. Um, I had yeah, it where. The, the the kids um would say would say rape right to each other um or like you know um they might grab hold of someone be a bit rough with them and another kid would go uh oh get off like get off what you're trying to do rape them and then yeah. I, I, said, I said I said do you know what that word means and uh, yeah. they were like when you sexually harass someone I was like it's not when you harass someone I was like it's like so when you penetrate someone you know when you 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 penetrate them to have sex with them and they all kind of like looked at me a bit and I was like because if yeah. I said that. Even as a joke, I said, I get sacked. I said, so, you know, you, you can't throw that around like what you're saying there. Um, but these, these kind of, and this, it, I was making these, making these arguments at the kind of at the highest levels as well. I was saying, listen, these kids are going mad. And these, these terms they're using now, are they using them in normal language? You know, using the word gay to mean something's yeah. rubbish. Now that is, you know, it, it's one of them. And I've been guilty of it myself in the past. 
You know, it's yeah. But but when somebody points it out to you and says, "Look, listen, if there's kids in that class there that that, that are maybe struggling with their sexuality, and and you're constantly using it, I mean, I wasn't using it in the class, yeah, yeah, (laughs) anyway." You know, um, and the kids are going, oh, that's gay. Well, what do you mean that's gay? Well, it's rubbish, isn't it? I said, well, why are you using that word to say rubbish, isn't it? But the thing is, because it wasn't being done at a consistent level, it was marking me out as a pariah. Um, faggot was another one. Yeah, big you one. Know, a, a word that they would use just in normal language. And I'd be like, that is not acceptable, you know. And um, so I would then, you know, take them through the school pr- procedures. I'd be like, you know, look, listen, you, you, you can be, you know, I'm going to give you a warning for using that word. I don't want to hear that word in my class. Mm. You know, and they'd be like, why are you being weird, sir? Why are you being all, all like that about it? And I'd be like, what, you know, because it's not right. It's not yeah. normal what you're doing. And and so so the blogger wrote was all around these kind of small, small shifts in language that, that really can make things massively massively different you know i just don't use it you know yeah but i I think as well sometimes the environment that people are in where that is just like the norm you know um it just it filters into everything like there was um a kid i worked with who would throw around pussy all all the time um yeah just like you're a pussy all and i'd be like just call call him a wimp you know what i mean just anything else apart from that just you know i i don't know where it but that to him was just his go-to and um yeah it's problematic but massively i mean another one so another one is i mean obviously the, the where i was at was a, a rural setting um it, it's one of the poorest wards in in, in wales but it, it was a, a rural setting so it's not kind of like you're in a city school which is where you get the, the sort of people sort of have this this opinion that these inner city schools are where it's really dangerous and difficult and it's not always the case it, no, so it's not <laughs> it's not always the case but there was um uh, and these these kids used to sort of have this weird gang mentality, and I used to be in my head thinking, "Wow, if I would have been your age and you were running around doing stuff like that, I'd have clapped you." Do you know what I mean? Do, do, do you be... Well, I, I grew up in the same sorts of in the same sort of levels of poverty, right? But it was like there was no way I would have behaved in that way. You know, just because I had respect for the people around me, just yeah. just my my mates and everything like that, we just weren't. It was like a different level of 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 nastiness that they were exhibiting. They were doing was, to each other. Yeah, they were they were doing to each other, and it was just it was it was just you know it was See, weird. But what what and then. And then there was a big sort of thing around uh, drill music. So the kids all started listening to drill music right. and like. It was just, it was just embarrassing, you know. And you just think, you just can't pull it off, basically. But one of the words that they started using was uckers. And they were using the word uckers, U-C-K-E-R-S, uckers. And uh, it's, 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 it's not a really nice term. I'll just get the definition up, just so I don't muck it up. And uh, I remember at the time thinking why are you saying that like what what's that word you know and and you know um so yeah so it's uh yeah it's used as a demeaning term towards women okay. um so a woman uh, basically it's a woman who quite often gives lads a blowjob okay right okay. so yeah and so it's used quite often in in drill music and this kind of thing and it was this was another one of these words that I kind of picked up on. I don't think 
you know, I don't think necessarily other staff would have picked up on that. They would have just thought, why are they saying that? It's stupid. So, and that would have been the, the end of it. But within what context like, would it be used? Like, I'm just trying to, would it be like, she's um, Ockers or... Exactly that, yeah. She's, yeah, look at her over there being all Ockers. And yeah. they would use it in the wrong context and they would just... They, most of them didn't understand what they what it meant, but they seen well. They're watching YouTube videos mm. of people saying it. They're emulating this kind of culture, right? And they're um, the you know cultural appropriation doesn't even come close to to what yeah. it is. But it was kind of like that. You know, you need to be on that kind of stuff, and you need to say you can't say that, lads. It's not appropriate. You know. Yeah, and, I suppose uh, I'd never heard that before, but I've noticed more so now, especially with like social media and TikTok, like definitely, uh, the amount of training and lessons that schools do. Uh, and I've, I've, I can think of a number of teachers that have come to me and be like, the, the new thing is this at the moment in time. Um, and it's like, so, you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, because, yeah. you know, like there's, there's almost like them subcultures within social media where if you're not on it, you don't know about it, but then it filters yeah. around and before you know it, everyone, as you say, is saying ockers to each other or doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But it's, it's totally different now because when I was in school, smartphones were just coming into, you know, like yeah. the mainstream, I suppose. But um, it's nothing like what it is now. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers. Because did you yeah. ever have, um, was the policy in your school, like if your phone, out, if your phone was out, you had it taken off you? <laughs> no way not a chance there's no way they would have been able to take a phone off any kid it was just not a thing but they could have their phone on no. them on their person yeah they just used to go on their phones constantly they'd be walking around the corridors on their phones they'd be doing snapchatting lessons to each other they'd be snapchatting and then so so a kid would get a snapchat in the lesson and then they'd go can i go to the toilet and then they'd meet up in the toilet and it was just That's it a nightmare. Was, Carnage. It was carnage, right? Did you ever have uh, incidents with like the kids doing anything to teachers with phones? Because some stories uh, I've had of like a kid tried to take yeah. a picture of an upskirt of a of a teacher, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just mental. Well, I, I had a stupid one. My my room had a a, a fire escape, um, and um, the there was a kid outside on the field who shouldn't have been out. I went outside of the fire escape, basically opened the fire escape, went out and tried to beckon this kid back in. Whilst I'm outside, the kids have shut the door on me. And uh, so I've locked out my own classroom and they're filming me on their mobile phones outside the classroom, right? right. And then that, that's then been Snapchatted all around the school, yeah? So every year group had a Snapchat group um, the, the level of communications that they had with each other was Jesus. just next level, you know. Um, and but but you see, it's kind of like because it's on Snapchat, right? That video's on, it's shared. They've all seen it. They've watched it once. It's deleted off their phone. So that, yeah. that's why I love the Snapchat, right? So <laughs> so I mean, that's, I I can take that kind of thing. It was quite funny. It's the kind of thing I probably would have done when I was at school. And you know, obviously, I didn't have a a phone. And luckily, it was on Snapchat. Luckily, they didn't yeah. upload it. YouTube. Luckily, you know, luckily the kids quite liked me and they didn't want to be vindictive. You, you know what I mean? But yeah. in that kind of environment, right? It's that could go viral, couldn't it? You know? Yeah, it definitely could. And I know of, as you say, like people have Snapchat groups. I know classes that have WhatsApp groups, and um, and like you know the 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 group name to that WhatsApp group might be something very disparaging to a teacher. Um, yeah. And it's like yeah. they've. Do you know what? 
what they want to do outside of school is fine, but if you if you get caught with that in school, you know, like you're going to get into serious serious shit. As you know, like with your blog, you weren't doing that within school hours. You know, in front of all the kids and whatnot. So it's you know what I mean. They're separate things, but um, I just think it's a different world now, especially with the fact that kids have got phones, like what they can do with them, and um, yeah, opens up loads of problems. I mean, I mean, you know, the whole sort of phone thing is is getting a lot of traction at the moment on Twitter, and um, I, I've never sort of, you know, I'm, I'm politically, I'm, I'm left wing libertarian, you know, um, I'm somewhere around flipping Gandhi, I think, you know what I mean? Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I don't think Gandhi would have been using some of the words either, but, um, <laughs> but that's where I sit, right? So taking a kid's phone doesn't sit right with me at all. Really? But, but at the same time, at the same time, the potential for harm of those devices in, in, in a school that isn't able to effectively manage um, that that sort of thing, it, it, it's just lethal, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I've seen it before where, it's like for TikTok, for instance, where they've said, if you're doing a video, right, albeit you might be in your coat, there's nothing that is identifying you specifically, but in the background, there might be uh, a kid who's got the jumper on and he's got the crest of the school. Whoever's watching that knows exactly where you are and they can find that school easy enough. Um, and it's things like that where I go, it's just, it opens up a world of problems, you know, if it, if it ever gets to that point. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there's some serious safeguarding issues around phones. And I, I, what one of the things I always thought that, that schools should have is a is a, a proper devices policy that, that that's properly considered, properly thought through, and and that's consistent. You know. Yeah. Uh, and be be that you know you're allowed your phone in your bag as long as it's off. You know, you can have that as a rule. You can have, uh, you're allowed to, you know, if the teacher says you can use your phone as part of the lesson, you can have that as a rule. You know, there's ways and means of managing these, but they all come back to this kind of idea that if the if the culture's not right in the, in the school, there's no way you can expect a young person to, to yeah. effectively and safely use, A, use a device and, and B, understand it. Yeah, because it's, it's got to filter down from the top, hasn't it? Um, and yeah. I, I suppose, um, what you said there, you've kind of repeated it a few times now about the consistency of staff, right? Um, I don't know if it's possible, but like with the, the blog post you sent across to me that was titled Liars, Backstabbers and Empire Builders, right? I don't know, obviously I don't want to uh, share the entire thing, but I don't know if you can give like an overview to the people listening of kind of like how bad it was within your school because, you know, I was, I was shocked when I read it, but this was one of the things that when I read the news article, I thought there's got to be more to this. You know, it can't just be that this guy's a total knobhead. Um, so when I read that, I thought, bloody hell, like this is bonkers. Oh, it's next level. I mean, it's it's absolutely next level. So, um, and it, it, it ties into what I was saying about sticking to the action, uh, short strike action um, with the with the NASUWT. Um, and, and it was kind of as a result of that. So, cut, cut a long story short, what, what happens is there's a, a, a parental complaint to the school and there's an allegation made uh, by the parent that I've asked the child uh, to do something that they're unable to do and that, that's outside of their um, their abilities and, and that this, this ability that I've asked them to demonstrate um, is a part of their special educational needs okay so 
that mm-hmm. sounds like really quite comfortable. I'm, I'm just obviously trying to tease my words a little bit carefully because I don't want to, um, you know, I definitely don't want to put a, an indication to the people if they were to listen to this about uh, that, that, that you'd be able to identify them. But yeah. the, so this allegation that I'd asked this kid to do something that he wasn't able to do. Um, and so in, in those scenarios, schools have what's called an, an IEP, which stands for Individual Education Plan. Yeah. And so if there's any child there that's got any particular needs or sound issues or physical or any kind of learning uh, in, in impediments to learning, there's a, a really simple document that a teacher can grab that just outlines these issues and, and so that you can you can gear your, your classroom practice to take that into account. I mean, a good example would be for the, if somebody's deaf uh, or hard of hearing and you sit them closer to the front. Yeah. Know, and this, this, this information will be contained in an individual education plan. And so once this complaint came in, um, there was a, 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 an investigation launched um, into, into my conduct. Um, and I was asked to uh, attend a, a, a fact-finding meeting. Um, and at that point, you know, knowing how poorly the school was being run, I, I went to the school systems and I basically screenshotted everything and, and took everything that, 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 that could possibly, um, you know, be used against me so that at least I'd read the materials and I knew where I stood. And there was, the, the, child in, in question there was no individual education plan in place for this child um, and so therefore you know in my mind the, the complaint had absolutely no grounds and no standing so I, I'm sat in a meeting this investigation meeting with uh, um, the guy um, and he's basically putting this allegation to me and then I just sort of poo-pooed it and said no it's absolute nonsense and then he, he whips out this edge this IEP and uh, and I just said that's not you know where have you had that from well it's on the system I said no it isn't I said because here's my screenshot that proves it wasn't on the system and uh, they'd basically gone to the, the trouble of fabricating this IEP and they were trying to basically use this document to throw me under the bus so that they could then go back to the parent and say, yeah, we've had a good teacher and he's a bad teacher and he should have looked at the IP and we're all really sorry. But it's just the level of duplicity. And then, so, so then what happened is, just to ratify this even further, about nine months down the line, the teacher, uh, it was a Senko, it was responsible for creating the IEPs, was put through, uh, put on capability. Guess what form? not completing IEPs. And Jesus. it was just quite off the right. It was just, you know, and from that point on, I, I gave him a bit of a nickname, you know. Um, but yeah, so I, I wasn't the only member of the staff that, that they were doing this kind of thing to. You know, they were basically, the management style was was um, was was sneaky, uh, backhanded, um, and uh, really, really quite, quite underhanded. So what, one of the other things that came out of, on my case, there was um, there was a headmaster, and um, so he was basically started off really, really well. Started off strongly, got the staff team on board, and then very, very quickly, um, you know, after about probably eighteen months, he started to fall, fall by the wayside, and things started, you know, going drastically wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and uh, and so what happened was uh, the guy who was actually instrumental in, in investigating um, the, the case I mentioned just previously where they fabricated an IEP, um, he went round to all of the uh, department leaders in the school uh, with a round robin letter, like uh, basically um, a vote of no confidence in the, in the headmaster. So he effectively organised the two guitar, right? Jesus. And, and, and so so what happened then? It was this letter then. He, he, he'd been round and he got all the, all the signatures off the department heads. He then took that letter to the head of the LEA um, and said, look, listen, you need to do something about this, right? And this happened in September. And then that headmaster then, by November, had uh, accepted a teaching position in another school um, outside of our county, and that school weren't advertising any positions, right? So they basically got, got the head teacher, and they said to him, if you don't take this that we've lined up for you, right, we're going to sack you. Okay, and this happened uh, in in a two month time period, yeah. And so, if you know anything about teachers paying conditions, you know that you cannot leave, right, in the middle of a term, and particularly not as a head teacher. I mean, most head teachers, it's a September start, and if you want to quit, it's a June. You know, it's a June the preceding uh, the preceding year. So this guy, he was there one minute and then just wasn't there anymore um it's bonkers bonkers. and this is the lea which was carrying out the investigation what sorry what does lea stand for is that uh uh, lea good question um is it a welsh like educational board type yeah it's basically lea well let me see what it is uh, local education authority. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you'll have the same sort of structures there. I think with a, in in England it's a little bit different as uh, there's the kind of academy and preschool system. And England used to operate under LEAs. I'm pretty sure right. it's uh, LEAs, and some places still t- still do. But it's like a devolved sort of power to to local government. But um, they're just they're just bang at it themselves. They're, they're corrupt as anything. It's, you know. it's so bizarre, that isn't it? Because like the the facts with the uh, the lad, who, the, the complaint that was made against you, um, like the lengths that they were going to to try and make you know make the glove fit. You know, it was like it has to has to be you. It's just like it's absolutely bonkers because if if it say if it had gone through, would it would it have been a case of you getting sacked? Oh God, no, no, no! Crikey, flipping hell! It wouldn't have even, it wouldn't have even been as a, it would be the absolute worst for me personally would have been a, 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 a management advice letter they call it. Right. But fucking no way on God's earth I am accepting. If I've done something wrong, I would be the first person to say that was me. Yeah. yeah. I done. I said you know, he had big ears, all right? I just... I, I said, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just the way I am. I'm like, honest, you know, honest to a fault, really. You know, and it, sometimes it does you right and sometimes it does you wrong. It, it's just the way it is. Oh, God, no. But the point, that wasn't the point. I mean, and maybe you can make the argument probably correctly that I was being cantankerous. But it, you know what, though? If they would have come to me and said, listen, listen, Pricey, right? 
uh, we're in a fucking pickle here, lad. You know, <laughs> we're in a pickle. Yeah, we should have, we should have done this early. We should have done this IEP, right? We haven't. The parents going fucking nuts. Will you just please say that you fucked up if you didn't read it? I'd have gone. Yeah. Okay. Where's the Latin price? You will stick a little letter on your file. It'll be gone in two years. Oh, I'll be gone. Yeah, that's fine. No problem. Let's do it. Let's pull together as a team. But that's not the way. That's not the way that they did. And in some ways, I'm not naive enough to expect that. that, that you know, because I could have, I could have then spun that, couldn't I? And I could have said, "Why are you asking me that?" You know, what, what, you know, but they would have had to show their hand at that point, wouldn't they? But if they would have showed their hand, I would have then been reasonable because I'm not a massively unreasonable person, but it was just the way that they went about it. It was horrific. I mean, there was another story. Another, this, this one was even way, way worse than mine. This was horrific. So there was, um, uh, there was a guy there. Um, I've known him for a very, very long time, actually, this guy. And he was a... Uh, a teaching assistant, LSA, learning support right. assistant, yeah. right? And he was um he was a small fella, five foot four, bold as a kid, um, <laughs> stocky, very, very fit, um, you, you know, very physically fit, mid fifties, um, you know, so quite sort of uh, traditional in his outlook and uh and what they used to do is they used to put him with really, really difficult kids. You know, kids that were really, really causing problems throughout the school, and he would do transformational work with them. You know, mm. he was he was very, very skilled at, at what he did, and absolutely brilliant. You know, um, straight down the line, you know, wouldn't give him an inch. Um, absolutely brilliant at his job, and then he, he had a long-term relationship with this kid, and they just said to him, pulled him out the blue, and they just said, "Listen, we've got a new kid starting next year." Um, he's physically disabled, and you will need to, to um, you will need to provide personal care. And he said, "I'm not down with personal care." So that's not yeah. part, not part of the contract. I didn't get into this to do personal care. I don't want to do personal care, and so I'm I'm not going to do it. Thank you. And they said, um, "Well, it does say it in your contract." Anyway, he spoke to me. I went. I, I said, "Have you got?" A copy of your contract he goes no i said well did they send you a copy of your contract when you started the job he said yeah i said do you ever delete your emails he said i don't even know how to use my email <laughs> so i sat i sat him down and sure enough i got a copy of his contract up and sure enough there was absolutely no mention of, of personal care in his contract so i said to him right look listen just tell him that you're not doing it and that it's not in your contract guess what appeared Jesus. A copy of his contract, which they'd modified to say that he would do personal care, and I was like absolutely fuming. This fella's in bits, you know. And this, this like, is the same school that they did it. They tried yeah, to fit. Yeah, yeah. Christ school. Almighty! Yeah. And same guy, the same guy, right? That didn't that got put on capability for not doing the IEPs. Is the same guy that changed this oh guy's contract. Oh my god! Um, and um, it's just. It's just next level. It's, it's next level shit, you know. And I am absolutely convinced. I mean, obviously, I have feedback on, on these blogs, and I used to get people peer, uh, private messaging me to the blog saying, "This is this resonates. This happened in my school, you know. Not the same exact 
obviously same exact thing, but this kind of like this kind of like level of, of duplicity that, that people seem mm. to see. And you know, I'm not going to target every school. There must there's absolutely some brilliant schools out there, and I've worked at a couple of brilliant schools, but I've also worked at a couple of absolute stinkers. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think in in comparison to if if I didn't, if someone told me there's a teacher who's writing an anonymous blog, an anonymous blog, and he's making jokes uh, about the workplace that he's in, or there is a corrupt head teacher who is you know stitching people up to a contract that they have amended themselves, or trying to make a member of staff take a fall for something that's their fuck up. On you know they they don't even compare you know what I mean? No, and that that's that's the thing. But you see, it's, it's because they're um, it's because they're uh, they're the ones that you know it's like their own personal beefdom. It's like mm. you know if if they don't view it as like a community, their role as being like a part of a community, they're the boss and they demand respect. And I just think it's because. They just don't have the people management skills. And, and ideally, what well, you know, these people, these people that I've bumped into these, and they all unfortunately seem to be cut from the same cloth. They went to school, they were bullied in school because they were, you know, mm. they were complete bell ends, right? Yeah. Then they've gone to university straight from school. Uh, they've gone straight to university, and they're probably bell ends at uni as well. And then they've gone straight back into school again. And you know that I know that's a, a it's a lazy trope, right? That, that people use to describe teachers. But you know, I have come across a number of people who are who are in that category, right? And they've been in management, and they've all been knobheads. You know, well, I I think uh, from a point of view that you've had experience of doing other jobs like when I left uni I did loads of different jobs like I worked in TV for a bit but my goal was always I just want to do stand-up and I got to a point where I got offered a job um I used to work in production for TV so like putting all the shoots together and stuff and I got offered a job for it and um I was like I, I actually I want to do more comedy now and the reason I uh, have worked in schools is because I've, I get to leave at three o'clock so if I need to get to Brighton to go and do a gig there's no question about it you know I can just get there um but having done various different things I don't know I, I think you you've got experience to draw from and it's not saying you know I'm, I'm only 26 so you know there's I'm not saying I've got all the experience but you know what you've just said there where some teachers can go straight into teaching and you may be dealing with situations that require just a bit of experience, like life experience uh, yeah. and and it's struggling to like try and fit that and make it work um yeah. but yeah it's it, it's bonkers and I, I mean one of the other posts I wrote was um was called um uh was called uh, be the teacher that changed the game for you except don't because you probably get sacked and um it was about it was talking about how like obviously i i remember uh, teachers i've got some quite vivid memories of of high school and i'm not going that far back i'm going back as far as the um, late 80s and the early 90s right and but the the difference now in those i mean it's 30 years and i say that that's because i still think i'm 21 but um <laughs> the difference different now from what you know because i was going into teaching with my memories of 90s high school and thinking this is going to be a laugh you know it's going to be all right um and it just uh, it's got it is just 
golfs apart. It's just so different to what I remember. Um, and it's down on, you know, a, down on the accountability and the pressures that these teachers are under. I mean, when, when I was in school, the teachers said they literally didn't give a monkey's. They couldn't yeah, but, tell a less. But know, maybe, maybe but that, not in a bad way. Yeah, but maybe that, you know, makes the kid has to be accountable for themselves because this idea of like no one could fail if you if you if you put that in place then people just go like well fuck it i'll do the bare minimum um and like you know i was always told anyway just try your best right just try your best you know and it's and no matter i'll just just give it a go but yeah when you're in situations where i don't know like i've i've had to be reminded before where because I never usually blow me lid and completely lose it, but I'll be straight with someone. Um, so yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I'd give a bollocking to this to this kid, right? Just he was in the wrong, right? There was no ifs or buts about it. He was in the wrong, and then I was given a reminder to say, you need to congratulate him on the fact that he's he's like listen to what you've said, and I thought, but like right okay so is he going to congratulate me for the abuse he gave me for the last 15 yeah, minutes yeah. You, you know what i mean yeah. i just i thought there's there's no yeah, he, he just needs to sit in what's happened and accept it and then move on, and um, then move on yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's it's, it's, it's i mean behavior, behavior management is such a hot potato right it's a massively hot topic and uh you know people people that really sort of um people really sort of have, have wild uh, arguments and disputes about it you know in terms of 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 what they believe is the correct ideology you know and it, some some of the debates that go on on twitter around behavior management get get really sort of nasty but i mean even those you know even some of the worst people that i've met with i don't think any of those people were genuinely wanting to harm the children um, you know, yeah, you've got to be a bit sadistic, haven't yeah. you? If you if you wanted to yeah. hurt kids. Oh well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. But I don't think they were genuinely in it. I just don't think that they understood how important you know it was to 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 manage that on a consistent basis. But you know, the the idea of accountability in schools and at the moment, all the accountability is on the staff, mm. and there's no accountability on the kids. Yeah. And that's fine if you're a kid who gets your head down and wants to do the work and wants to get on. That's absolutely fine. You're going to thrive in that sort of system. But if you're a kid that needs accountability and you're not being allowed, they're removing that agency from you, aren't they? And they're saying, you know, do you know what? And it, it's like wildly low expectations. They're saying, that, they're saying to these kids, you know, you're not even able to be accountable for your own position, so therefore we're going to take the accountability for that. And it's yeah. just wrong. It needs flipping. Do know? you think? Do you think in the future you'd want to go back into teaching? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> not a flipping chance. No. Not unless I've got a time machine and I can go back to the nineteen nineties. You know, and have a have a, a few pints of it with my old teachers on the, uh, on the Friday afternoon. Yeah, can you imagine that now? If you said to the your head of department now, oh, by the way, you know we we're just going to go and grab a quick pint and a, a pint and a pie at lunchtime on a Friday. You go back in and you'd be uh, you'd be suspended instantly, wouldn't you? You know. Yeah. To be fair, I've I've. I was working at a call centre, but on a Friday there was a spoons across the road, and we we would go for a few. <laughs> I mean, look, listen, I'm not advocating going. Uh, go, you know, I would not even necessarily saying that I would go and have a few pints at lunchtime 
and then go back and teach. You know, yeah. that's that's not where I'm, what I'm saying, but I'm, that level of cultural shift that's happened in that 13 years, it was purely yeah. normal. That was normal behaviour. Now, now that would be so abnormal as to be like, yeah. uh, as to you, be. You wouldn't exactly. expect to see a member of staff on a playground with glow sticks just <laughs> dancing to no music. <laughs> no, no but, but, you know, and then the other thing is you know, when you're in the staff room and that, you see the ones, you know, and then people teach you, they're like a nest of fucking vipers, aren't they? They'll be slagging each other off left, right, and centre, and they'll be like, oh, look at her there, yeah, she's a bit red eyed this morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? It always smells suspiciously of mints. And so, you know, it's the kind of shit that you go over here, isn't it? In the staff room, they'll be like, oh, has anybody seen my cup? Please move my cup. Yeah, little things like that. What? I'd be standing there just thinking, are you even adults? Are you, yeah. How am I dealing? What am I dealing with? So, you know? But, like, I suppose that's... A, a, I'm very fortunate because the place that I've worked in for the longest... The staff are great, and they're like they're, yeah, they're and it's it, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's a great environment to be in. Um, but yeah, I've been in them situations like what you said there, where it's like, "Where's my cup up?" That's my chair. I sit there, and it's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, right, okay." I used to deliberately sit all around the staff room See? In, in the month in the briefings. Yeah, so what one day I'd sit there, then I'd go and sit, you know, and people would at first. <laughs> Who's the shit? I may as well have just dropped my catch and had a shit right in the middle of the staff room. It was absolutely mental. Eventually, they just got used to the fact that I was just, I just didn't care and I wasn't bothered and, and the clicks didn't mean anything to me. But the only time I even I ever went in that staff room in that school uh, was when I had to go in, in mm. briefings. Otherwise, it just oh, wouldn't. Yeah, I've... I've, I've um... I, I, I've known members of staff who go and sit in the car and eat the lunch um, and stuff like that because, you know, they're just it's a, bit, a horrible, bit of quiet. Yeah, yeah I mean, just want to get a little bit of peace and quiet. But, yeah, yeah. you know, some of the stuff you used to overhear and, and like, I mean, I, I, I was going to write a blog post on, like, uh, you know, like the, the classic kind of teacher that you kind of get, the cat different categories, you know, like DT teachers are always a bit knobby and fucking got beards and a bit dickheadish, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, you know, the English teachers always a little bit like they've got a plum stuck up their ass and, you know, <laughs> think, think they're the king dick of the school and, you know, just like kind of just having a bit of fun about the, the almost the caricatures that you sort of get within, yeah. within teaching and uh, that was going to be one of the things I did. I've, I the one thing I have noticed from doing these is a lot of people have come on and said uh, that PE teachers always seem to end up in the like higher higher yeah. roles, um, and I don't yeah. know if that's just because there's like less you know classroom time. I just don't understand it because everybody knows that they don't know anything anyway. They just <laughs> <laughs> see. I, I went to uni wanting to be a PE teacher. I was like, I could do this. <laughs> yeah. I did a sports science degree and, and now I'm going to teach kids yeah. maths because they always end up in the maths classes as well, don't they, PE teachers? You know, like uh, always filling in for maths because schools are always running out of maths. Well, teachers, when I started working in schools, uh, I was, like, I think, 24 at the time. And um, at that, that age, that was the first time I understood fractions <laughs> 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 from being in there. I was like, I could do this. I'm bossed up now. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the whole PE teacher thing. I think it's kind of like the, the team sports and the uh, 
and you know the team sports and the the authority and the, you know shouting at kids mm. on the playground and I you know I, I just never really saw sort of, um I, I, for me I always thought the people that would be best at management would be people who were fucking good at managing you know yeah. and they're, they're just not they just don't have them same yeah. sorts of skills you know. Um, they give it to the guy with the captain's armband, even though he's taking uh, it from the, the football kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, no, I, that's I've I've I found that like really really interesting because I think it'd be it'd be difficult not to listen to this and not get a full view of the entire you know picture of what you were working in and what's going on because. I saw just before we got onto this, um, you tweeted saying you've been like responding to some of the people that have commented on the Twitter post. Um, yeah. And like, I was yeah. reading some of them and, you know, I, I just, I tw Twitter is that, isn't it though? So you are going to get people that are just outraged, but some of the comments people were putting and you, you know, you were being like courteous back going, if you want to have a chat about it, well, I'll be respectful. But then some people that were like, look at the state of him. And you were going, do you know how ironic <laughs> your, your comment is? And, yeah, but that, that's the mad thing. I mean, I go, going back to the responses on the Daily Mail, yeah, so basically you're kind of dropping into two or three categories, right? They were either saying he's absolutely right and what a load of shite, or they were saying, look at the state of him, he needs to go to a dentist. And I'd just be like, you know, you're the kind of people that are propagating this idiotic fucking yeah. reliance upon, you know, and, and, and valuing how somebody looks over over what they can actually do and, uh, and achieve. Yeah. And, also, and also, I think as well, missing a small bit of humour within that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because all, all, I said it on episode seven with Callum, but like, if you take any punchline to a joke and you put it out yeah. on its own, like they do it with Frankie yeah. Boyle all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What, yeah. what you've like, written is no way near as inflammatory as Frankie Boyle's punchlines but like you take that and you go jesus christ what an awful person but yeah um it, it, but it, in it, when it's devoid of the context it just doesn't mean you know it just doesn't mean what it means i mean one, one of the other ones that they pulled up on which they were they said caused extreme offense and was really derogatory it was a, a post i wrote for um having a crap job is okay and basically the point the whole sort of point of this blog post is that, that schools are obsessively trying to get kids through these meaningless uh, qualifications which they're never going to use um, and instead of like sort of sneering down our noses at people who end up as cleaners or mm. people who end up in jobs that you know that we might sort of traditionally think are not as valuable you know there's a lesson in there and the, and the lesson is you know those jobs that need to be done yeah. you know I would, you know, there's a very, very famous uh, uh, thing that happened in New York when the bin men went on strike. You know, I mean, it, it, within within weeks, the city was infested with rats, and it basically brought the city to its knees. You know, and and so you should, you just shouldn't be. This was the point of the the whole point of the post, and they turned that into me saying mean things about my cleaner that used to come in and clean my classroom, right? It wow. was just abject bollocks. It was just out of context, you know. Um, so they, what they were accusing me of was was actually the opposite to the point. Yeah. That I was, it was fucking mental. 
Absolutely. Yeah, but it's, uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, but like at the moment, like things are good in life. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, this yeah. happened 18 months ago. I thought it was two weeks oh, ago. Right. I thought bloody hell, he's had a busy couple of weeks, isn't he? Yeah, uh, no. So, um, so, so, um, so I, I basically, so when, when, once they, they did the whole suspension thing and uh, obviously, I mean, you know, the first day or so, I was a little bit raw. I did a lot of cycling, a lot of thinking. And then I basically saw, he spoke to my guy at the union and I said, look, listen, how long have I got until they can complete this process? And he said, well, look, he said, if they get it absolutely spot on, he said, you've got three months. Um, he said, but the chances of them getting it spot on are zero, next to none. He said, so, you know, he said, maybe we can spin it out for 12 months. He said, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll strategize. And, um, and so the very, very first, my very first move, so they, the second they, they suspended me, I then pulled the blog down, cancelled the Twitter, uh, basically eradicated all traces of it from the internet. Okay. Um, and then, so when I attended the first meeting, uh, the first disciplinary meeting, um, uh, sorry, disciplinary investigation, um, and it was with a guy from the from the LEA who was supposedly not fucking, um, you know, impartial. Um, and he, his first question was, "Did you write the blog?" And I was like, "Yes, I wrote the blog." You know, and at this point, yeah, they'd invested um, six to eight weeks carrying out an investigation, right? He provided an investigation report which ran to over a hundred pages, and in that investigation report, they could only find on the balance of probability that I was the author. They could not say beyond reasonable doubt that I was the author, right? But until that point, nobody had asked me. So the first thing they said was, "Did you write it?" And I was like, "Yeah. Why didn't you just ask me?" I said, "Why have you just spent, you know?" However much of public funds doing that investigation instead of just asking yeah. him. And then, he was like, you know, he's gobsmacked. He's but busted. then when it came to light then, like the was it uh, like a, a, a few weeks here where it kind of, you like, something doesn't feel right here? Or was it like, we've read this blog post, we've got a problem? Um, so so what happened was they, um, they uh, so we, we broke up for Easter. I went back to school after the Easter break, um, headmaster came and said, I need to have a, a word. Um, this is first thing in the morning. It was one of those uh, teacher training days where you all sit around and do bullshit, like in yeah, yeah. nonsense. Um, and he took me into the room. In the room, there was the uh, the chair of governors. Uh, there was the, the head of HR from, from the council. Uh, there was about like a wall cabinet of about six of them, yeah? Um, and they said, uh, they, they basically said, we, we, it's come to our attention that there's a blog called The Provoked Pedagogue. We think you're the author. Um, and so we're going to suspend you on full pay as a neutral act. Have you got anything to say? And I just said, no comment. Right. Um, and, in, and then he said to me, have you got your keys? I went, they're in my classroom. And uh, then it, it was really awkward, right? Because I was like, you know, I was a little bit shell shocked, to be honest. And I was yeah, I think like, you would naturally, though. Yeah, I was, I was probably probably sort of a little bit shell shocked, a bit in shock. And then we kind of like walked awkwardly through the school together because my 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 classroom was the furthest point away from the head teacher's office. Right. And like, 
awkwardly short walked all the way up and got the keys and then he said I've, I've booked you a taxi and I said I don't want a taxi <laughs> and that yeah. was it and then I just left um, and then it was from that point then so then they commissioned this investigation which, which was 100, 140 pages oh, some of the stuff they pulled up was just next level so on my Twitter feed uh, at that point I had 20,000 tweets yeah Right. And in the investigation, they pick six out of twenty thousand that yeah. they wanted to that they wanted to use in the investigation. Yeah, one of them was a photograph of some shopping bags, right? And I'd, what what it was, I'd done a uh, I'd done a food bag collection project in the school. I mean, basically, the DT staff room was full of food for a food bank. You know, yeah. there was there was must have been sixty or seventy shopping bags. So. <clears throat> stupidly probably at this stage probably a bit of hubris i took a picture of the shopping bags posted it on twitter and just said uh, this is our school's food bank collection right but it was literally a picture of shopping bags but if you zoomed in to the top right hand corner of this photograph right in photoshop at pixel level you, there was a, a about a quarter of an inch of a sticker that was stuck on one of the uh, one of the drawers in the in in, in the staff room in the, the DT staff room, and it, on it you could just make out letters O and N because it was Simon's drawer, right? right. But, and then they were basically saying that that blog is not anonymous because of that, that sticker, of that little tiny fraction of a sticker, and I was just like, you just are you for real? And they were just like, it is bonkers. So, I mean, I've done another couple of photographs. I I, I, I don't know if I mentioned, I do wedding photography as well. Um, But uh, I used to do sort of arty-farty pictures if there was a nice bit of lighting on the way into school. And I'd get right down low with my camera and do a super wide angle of like a puddle with a reflection. And they had this investigator going and taking the same photographs that I took to basically say that that location was taken in that location so therefore and this this was the level of cross reference right. in the to in, in in this investigation report mi5 it, hot on the trail as well <laughs> interpol and also it was fucking bonkers absolutely bonkers and and all they had to do at any given point was, was just was ask us. me was yeah. ask me and then so then we went through this whole sort of rigmarole with this um with this with this process with this uh, disciplinary investigation meeting right um, and I you know as part of that meeting I brought up a lot of the things that were in the blog and I was like saying to them well look listen you know if you are saying this is me and this is true why the fuck are you talking to me instead of talking to the people that are fabricating documents and that are fucking making stuff up no uh, what 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 what's your point why are you here um and they were just was literally like they were just not interested, like zero interest. At this point, the school's in special measures. Um, so, you know, the Estim report, and in that Estim report, it says um, less than uh, 50% of children listen in lessons. Less than 50%. And yeah, so just think about that for a second. I mean, if, you know, if you're not sort of au okay with school language, you think, well, that's not that bad. Half the kids listen. Can you imagine that in an actual school? Less said, than 50%. And that's in lessons. That's in lessons, right? 
So Estin had highlighted all of these problems. All of these problems I'd written about in my blog were Estin, were echoing what I was saying. Management. It's almost like it came to fruition. You know what I mean? Behaviour's poor. Safeguarding's not right. It's all there in the Estin report. And so we were making the argument um, that, look, listen, how can these comments that you're saying I'm making are derogatory, right? If Estin are saying the same thing mm. and they're saying, well, yeah, but it's, it's the language he used. I said, right, so all you're doing is policing tone. You're not interested in the real issues. Yeah. What, what's a bigger issue to me? Me saying uh, kids is snorting coke looks like Bob Marley or the fact that the kid's snorting coke. You know what I mean? It's just next level. Because next like, level. Did. Because you, you mentioned to me that you, you the, it came to light because you think a few members of staff were pressured. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still don't know the truth. I mean, they, they've obviously they put something in writing which they're saying is the truth, but it right. just it just doesn't stack up. Um, yeah, I, and I think you know, I think you know, in reality, I think probably what happened is is the were there were a couple of people that that knew it was me at the end. And I think that probably one of them people has, has, has grasped them up, and then they they've then gone out and said, "Well, look, listen, you know, you, you know, we told you this. Can you?" And then somehow they've engineered the, the, the situation yeah. rather than just saying, you know, which in some ways I suppose at least they've tried to protect my but, colleagues or whatever. But. Yeah, but I, I, exactly what you've said. Um, just a few minutes ago there though like in comparison of the comments you're making in the blog to actually what's happening within the school you know yeah. it's you're reflecting on it in your tone but you're, you're not saying anything that's not necessarily real so yeah. <laughs> it's I don't just... know what the point was as well i mean it was you know i mean it was it was it was anonymous right and the second it wasn't anonymous it didn't exist anymore mm. you know it, it was taken down um, because it was never you know it was never my it was never my intention to uh, to upset people or to harm the reputation yeah. of the school. I was a frustrated person working within a system that I felt was badly failing those children. I'd, I'd reached out to members of the management team in, in more sort of structured ways and not had any responses. And I just felt like I, there was nothing nothing left for me to do. And uh, I think I was probably, you know, I probably, I mean, I had a, a cracking home life, but I was, you know, I wasn't certainly wasn't in a brilliant place. Mm. Looking back and thinking, you know, the level of stress that I was under was was was, was mad. You know, I mean, at, at one point I had a physical reaction to stress, and I had like spots all over my body. I mean, all over my body, like inside my eyelids, inside my, inside my butt crack. Right, right. it was, it was <laughs> absolutely. It's probably, I've only ever had it once, and I'm, you know. And uh, it, it was just, it was really, really bad. And, I, and you know, I just have to sort of like touch my own skin and it would raise up in like uh, red welts. It was horrific, wow. like really, really bad. But, um, uh, but, but you know, and as soon as I kind of got out of there, I, I was sort of like massively relieved. Yeah, well, but- I... I suppose with the fact I said, would you fancy go back into it? Now what you've said there, it just makes you think, well, well it's, it, that door's fully shut now. And um, Yeah, I know. mean, it, I, I can't go back into it anyway, because although they've said they've struck me off for two years, the, the reality is I can reapply in two years and there's not kids out. <laughs> because there's no way I'm going there, tapping hands and going, please, sir, can I be a teacher? 
you again. She's yeah. not. They're going to say, do you regret what I did, what you did? Yeah. And I'm going to say no. no. And they're going to say, well, we'll see you in two years. Yeah, that's fair enough, though. That's fair enough. But I, I really appreciate you coming on this and, uh, you know, telling telling your side of the story because I found that like fascinating. You know, you've, t- you've told me absolutely loads there, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Um, uh, like you said, I'm a, a bit of an open book. So. Well, I mean, what, I, the, the other thing, again, about the process, right? So in that very, very first disciplinary meeting as well, uh, I sat down at the end and I said, look, listen, I will resign. You know, I'm, I'm done with teaching. I don't want to do this anymore. I will resign. Um, my my union guy said, what you need to say is, I, you know, there's an irretrievable breakdown in the working relationship. Um, and therefore, you know, pay me three months notice, which is my standard notice period, I'll resign. And then there's no need to make any kind of referral to the workforce council. And the whole thing would have just disappeared. You know, they could have done a, a, an NDA, a non-disclosure mm. or whatever. And that, that was on the table from day one, right? And this is, like I said, this is about six weeks after the initial suspension, right? So at that stage, they could have given me three months' pay you know, um, I probably would have foregone the pay if it was the issue, you know, but they, they just point blank refused. And they said, you can resign if you want, but we're taking you through this process, whether you're involved in it or not. So I literally had no choice, right? I had no choice. So I said, to them, so look, listen, you do understand. I said that if you, if you force this course of action, I will come out fighting because I'm not going to lie down. I want to go and you won't let me. And that's, you know, I want that written down in the record. And they said, yeah, that is absolutely the case. We won't let you. So I was at, at that point, I said, right, okay. So when this matter does finally get to the end and you do you do realise then you will have to make a, a, a referral to the EWC. And the EWC hearings are always public. They're, they're a matter of public record because it's in a, if a, if a teacher's sat, it's in the public interest to know why, right? Which right. I, I fully agree with that, yeah? Um, and so I, we made this argument to them and said, so if you do this, you effectively will be putting the blog back into the public sphere, which Mr. Price has, has, has expressed. He doesn't want to happen. Yeah. So then I'm there, you know, I mean, even now, you know, you can you can contact me on Twitter. You can you can speak to me, and I might give you a bit of it. I've still got it all. It's all sat there. There's one post on Prom which has been practically quoted to death, um, which is available on Patreon. But even now, those those materials are still not in the public sphere. They never would have seen the light of day again had the school accepted the offer I made to resign. And I made that offer to resign. At every single step and stage of the process, and every single it. time they wouldn't have it there, and it's purely out of uh, out of revenge. That, that's why they've done it. That's the only thing I can think yeah, of. Well, I, I that's- the way the, the way you've spoke about the school and the way in which they've conducted themselves, not only with like you know the situation of the blog, but with what came before that, like they just it seems an absolute shit show. And, uh, you know, you can't take anything that they're saying with any top type of truth. Um, yeah, you, you can't. I mean, like, if, do you know what? If, if, if there was me sat here saying this, and then you went on to Estin, and Estin said, this is a fantastic school, it's got glowing reports, the kids are coming out, you know, 
that isn't the case. I mean, if you go on, there's um, there's another thing that, that where they sort of uh, uh, rank the school in Wales. And this school, I think, last time I checked, was in the bottom five percent of schools in the whole of the country. Wow. You know, in terms of outcomes, in terms of everything, mm. it's it was just shocking, and it was and 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 it did. You know, it basically it basically it destroyed my my belief in myself right that I could positively impact that which was the reason why I went into teaching in the third place was to positive positively impact the lives of people that, that probably you know that needed it and that the, the school just wasn't doing that and uh, <laughs> yeah it's like it's like yeah you're trying to bail out a sinking ship aren't you yeah yeah but- no, I'd, I'd really, really appreciate you coming on this because we've spoke, we've spoken for ages here, and you've, uh, you've given me two hours we've been on this. You've given me loads of stuff, so I really, really appreciate that. Um, I don't know if there's anything you'd actually like if you want to mention your business or anything like that because I do. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we'll always have a filthy plug in there, can't we? Yeah, by all um, means. So um, yeah, so if you want to hook me up, if you need an office in your garden, um, then uh, have a look on my website, which is office dot in your dot garden okay smash him because i'm telling you once once my podcast is international you can do one in my garden i'll have a studio there for this <laughs> <laughs> you'll have, have a little look on the old uh, on the old website and these are these are well that's it mine's falling apart so yeah um no but nice one thank you very much uh, no problem no problem I hope, I hope you've got enough How great was that? I mean, what an eye-opener of an episode. I, I found that fascinating. And whether you've read Alex's blog or not, or just read the news story, after hearing him speak there, I think it's very difficult not to look at the situation through an entirely different lens because the ongoings that were happening at that school sound, you know, unbelievable. I can't imagine what that must be like to work in and and have that kind of backhanded type management style that's going on. You know, I've never worked in a place like that ever. Um, I don't know, maybe you listening have been in a place like that. And, you know, if you have, please do send me an email, you know, staffroompod at gmail.com because I'd love to turn, you know, that story into an episode and hear about it because the stuff like that, I just, you never think it can happen within schools. Um, but yeah, I found that really fascinating, really, really fascinating. So massive thank you to Alex for giving up his time for that. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. Next week, we're back to normal. I'm sharing uh, an anonymous story from a teacher about uh, an RE lesson that they had to carry out and uh, how things got a little bit a uh, little bit interesting. And my guest for next week is Brennan Reese, who has been crowned English Comedian of the Year. He's won Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Fringe for his sellout show Everglow. He's even made appearances on Live at the Apollo. I mean, it's great to have Brennan on the show and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So make sure you tune in for next week. And as ever, thank you very much to everyone that tuned in for this week and has been listening. I mean, it's getting bigger every week. I really appreciate it. And, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, just, you know, there's ways you can help. You could tell your mate about it. If you could leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be fantastic. Just anything you could do, like that spreads the word or, you know, a review helps other people find it. And it just, you know, they look at it and go, God, this can't be shite. And I don't think it is. You know what I mean? I'm enjoying doing it. And people are saying to me every week that they're enjoying listening. But whatever you can do, 
do. I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, it all helps. So thank you as ever for tuning in and I will see you next week. So until then, look after yourselves and take it easy. Podcast is produced by me, Harry Stakini, artwork by Poppy Spinks, and the soundtrack by James McGraw.